0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) So we'll have some fun here over the next 180 minutes approximately on this Friday. A lot of things to get to, of course. We'll do plenty of football later on in the show with Connor Hughes, our pal from SNY, their football insider. Talk a little Giants. Talk a little Jets. Giants back out on the field Sunday evening at home. The home preseason opener for Big Blue. They're going to take on... The defending, and boy, this still sounds strange to say, the defending AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals, even though Cincinnati's not going to play anybody in that game. Zach Taylor, their head coach, said that earlier in the week. So it's going to be the Giants playing the backups of the Bengals. But still, the work is important, and hopefully you get out of it in one piece. Jets, of course, Monday at MetLife Stadium. Against the Atlanta Falcons, we'll be out there, of course, with our coverage beginning at 7 o'clock with the Jet pregame show, Greg Buttle, and yours truly. So no Grasa show on Monday. It's the Grasa show, but it's not the Grasa show. I'll be on at 7 o'clock, but with Greg, it's not going to be our usual powwow that we do for you each and every night. So Jets pregame on Monday at 7. Jets will practice with the Falcons again tomorrow. They did so today at Florin Park. We'll have one more day at it before they rest on Sunday and take the field on Monday in the national TV tilt. So, some of the things that we will be working on. Mets, you know, what do you make of the Mets? You know, we'll talk about them coming up in just a little bit. They're in Philadelphia tonight. Their AL East, or AL East, their NL East swing continues after dropping three out of four in Atlanta against the Bravos. Tough series and the tough one last night, right? The Grom goes out there and, you know, he wasn't Superman. He was still really, really, really good. But the Braves, to their credit, were able to scratch across three runs, and especially that last one, that Michael A. Harris, you know, seeing eye single right up to center field, and Nimmo couldn't get the ball in quick enough, and Vaughn Grissom legging it out all the way from first base, running on the play. You wouldn't think that he'd be able to score on the play, but he did. You know, and that's good hustle. That's what you like to see. They took advantage of Nimmo and his suspect arm out there in center field, and that's what good teams do. They feast on the scouting report, and Atlanta went to work, and Mets came up one run short. What can you do? You know, if you want to take a step back and look at it rationally, you say, well, the Mets took four out of five from the Braves at City Field a couple of weeks ago, and now Atlanta took three out of four from them in their ballpark. But you live to see another day, still in good position, right? You still got a three and a half game lead, and now you take your shot in Philadelphia. Four games set, go play good ball down there against the Phils, which, you know, you've been able to do so far this year. Mets have won 11 of 15 games against Philadelphia so far this season, so... We will have our eyes on that one this evening, and the Yanks, and oh, the Yanks, and that's where we got to start tonight, right, because, you know, we came on last night, and you were feeling the buzz, right, you were feeling the excitement, you thought that maybe, just maybe, things were starting to look up for this baseball team, they had that thrilling win on Wednesday night, extra innings, walk-off Grand Slam, Josh Donaldson, maybe, maybe that would be the thing that would end this little funk that Aaron Boone's team was in. But we know that didn't happen. And that one was over quick last night. I mean, shoot, it was like right around this time in last night's show where the Yanks were already down like 5 nothing, And you say to yourself, what the heck is happening? But when you talk about a team that's down and out, when does a slump become a trend, Right? And when does a slump become a thing to where it's not just a speed bump and it's not just a bump in the road and it's not just maybe, you know, a few bad days of baseball? Like, when is it actually a legitimate concern? Because the joy, the euphoria, the acceleration from Wednesday night, all of that stuff basically didn't even have a 24 hour shelf life. Right? You thought that it would at the very least propel them into the next series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Allow some of these good vibes to linger for at least a little bit. You know, maybe even just get you through the weekend, and if not, just get you to Saturday in some way, shape or form, right? But no. Toronto made sure that that wasn't going to be the case, and that wasn't going to happen. So when we talk about these slumps, and want to talk about trends and, you know, try to get to the bottom of how they're in this predicament right now. Let's, let, let's talk facts. You know, we're all going to sit here and we're going to give our opinions. That's what we do. We have our feelings. We have our instincts. But let's talk pure, hard, cold facts. Let's talk black and white. 12 losses in their last 15 games. That's a fact. 9-18 and 18 since the All-Star break. They've played 27 games. They've lost two-thirds of them. Four wins in the month of August. Four and 12. And you say to yourself, oh, well, Dan, you know what? That's still a small sample size. You know, you're talking about, what, three, four weeks of baseball? That's that's not a lot. Come on. Okay, fine. I'm willing to meet you halfway. 100%. I agree with you. Let's go back even further, though. Let's go in that time machine. Right? Anybody watch Better Call Saul? Did you watch the finale of Better Call Saul? Remember the question they kept asking in that episode? What he kept asking everybody, what would you do if you had a time machine? What would you do? Or what would you do as a Yankee fan if you had a time machine? How far back would you go? As it applies to this season. How far back would you go? Let's go back two months, shall we? Two months from today. June the 19th. Summer's just getting underway. Starting to make your plans. Maybe your getaway plans. Your trips. That sort of thing. You know, starting to think about all this nice weather. Long days. Yankees were on top of the baseball world. They had a 49 and 16 record 2 months ago from today. 49 and 16. Damn, that was good living. Since then they're 24 and 30. 24 and 30. That's 54 games. That's a third of the season. That's a lot of baseball. That's a large sample size. So when does it become a trend? When is it not just a slump? 54 games, a slump? 24 and 30, a slump? 9-2 loss last night. And again, it's the same darn thing. If it's not one thing, it's another, right? Starting pitching is actually, even during this malaise that they have found themselves in, starting pitching hasn't been half bad for the most part. Last night, it was awful. Last night, the starting pitcher did not give you a chance to win the game. Took you out of winning the game. Because this lineup has not exactly been murderer's row for quite some time. And last night, another example. One for 10 with runners in scoring position. Eight guys left on base. Not being able to get that big hit. And Frankie Montas, I I mean, what do you say? What do you say? Now, I'll agree with you. It's still quite early to say that he's never going to work out. That he's going to be a wasted experiment. All those things. Because only three starts. Right? Last, time, last night was his first one in the Bronx. First one in pinstripes. I know that that maybe has a different effect on people. Right? Maybe you're just not yourself. I, I, I get it. Six runs. Great debut. Great. Here's what I know. Let's go back to those cold hard facts again. A little black and white for you. 14 innings pitched as a Yankees, giving up 14 earned runs. That ain't good. You know, his first start, he was coming off of an extended delay, bereavement list, new team, you know, pitching against a National League club in St. Louis that you're not used to necessarily seeing. You know, so you could throw all those things into the fryer and say, all right, there's your excuse for why he struggled. In his first start. A little bit better. Next time around in Boston. right? He was, he was better. And then last night again he was god awful. So what's the excuse? Which one are we going to pinpoint. As to why he struggled. And are the struggles going to continue? Because case in point. Brian Cashman went out there. And brought in Luis Castillo. Right? Brought in Luis Castillo. To add a boost to this rotation. Not just depth. Not to serve as a spare arm. Not to serve as a guy that, you know, will pitch for you for the last month and a half of the season. But once you get to October, he's not going to get a start. No, 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 no. No. They got rid of that guy, supposedly. Right? They sent him pack into St. Louis, the lefty. Who's now turning into the second coming of, you know, Steve Carlton. Even though he never pitched for the Cardinals. I don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. But let's revisit that deadline, shall we? Because I think that that right now is where we can maybe start to get some answers. Remember the trade deadline was August 2nd, and the Yankees have only won four games in the month of August? And I know all my friends that are part of the Grasse universe here that love being part of this program. I know they love them some Brian Cashman because I talk to them each and every day. And they always have the nicest things to say about the Yankee general manager. They really do. They're outwardly complimentary. Like, they, they, they almost canonize the guy. They wake up each morning and say prayers in his worship. That's how much they think of the Yankee general manager. But because of that, we're going to play nice tonight. And when we come back, we're going to sit here and dive into the trade deadline and dive into how we got to this point. A point in the season which is supposed to feature a better roster, right? A more improved club with more depth and better performance than even the one we saw the first three months of the season when they had the best record in baseball. But we haven't gotten there, have we? So why? We'll start to figure out why. And we want to hear from you. 800-919-3776. Where's all my Brian Cashman fans? Where's the Brian Cashman fan club? You know, has the meeting adjourned yet for today? You guys on your way home yet to start the weekend? You tell me. Again, Connor Hughes, SNY Football Insider, going to join me coming up at 8 o'clock. And a lot of me and a lot of you. It's a Friday. Sending out the week strong. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-0 <laughs> Metropolitans manufacturing runs, couple hits, and then an errant throw by one Alec Bohm, the Phillies' error-prone third baseman. Remember, the Phillies, they figured everything out defensively, and Keith Hernandez made a comment about him, and everybody in Philadelphia jumped down his throat. How dare he? Well, Phil's defense uh, contributes to a Met run in that first inning, so they get on the board first, which is good to see. Meantime for the Yankees, we'll actually like, say something positive here before we get into the trade deadline stuff. Oswaldo Cabrera, who, by the way, I, I didn't see when he arrived the other day when they called him up. but I hope he had a lot of gloves, because this is now his third game for the Yankees, his third start, and he's playing a third different position. Remember, on Wednesday night he played third base. Last night he played shortstop, and tonight, he's in right field. And the first batter of the game, which was Lourdes Gurriel Jr., flew to right field. And Cabrera robbed him of a home run. So maybe things are starting to turn for the Yankees a little bit. Maybe the kid putting him in right field, maybe it is going to be beneficial after all. How about that? But we still got ourselves a long, long way to go. Good news for the Yankees tonight. Guess what? No George Springer. Springer's not in the lineup. They're going to give him a little bit of a rest because, remember, he's always battling something, whether it's an elbow, whether it's a knee. There's something wrong with Springer. But last night he went 5-for-5. So you don't have to contend with him. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That's the telephone number. Jose in Newark. He's going to start us off tonight. He's our leadoff hitter on the Dan Grasso Show on 987 ESPN. Jose K. Pasa, what's going on?
1: Capasa, Pasa, mi amigo. That's what the Yankees need. They need some leadoff hitters, man. I'd do it for him if I could, but I don't think I would.
0: <laughs> You'll probably do it for half the price, too. You don't care.
1: Yeah, I'll do it for a quarter of the price of what some of those guys are doing. There made. you go. But. I- you know, you, you talked about pattern, um, and and I see what I see is these guys usually have been going up the hill. They they're not scoring first, and that that's that's tough to do. I think in all but about two games to my memory, they've had to come back and try to work back, and 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 try to either regain the lead or in some way shape or fashion they they have to play from behind, and that's really no way of winning, man, especially when you're home. Um, and when they do score, you know, the their pitching just gives up the lead and they find themselves having to dig back. Even that thrilling home run that um, uh, Donaldson hit, you know, they almost gave the game away. So they got to try to find a way to try to set the tone themselves, man. They got some big bats there and they just seem to right now be stuck in a rut. And it, I, I almost knew, I'll tell you, I knew Guerrero was going to hit that home run yesterday. I swear to you, man, I was like, he's going to hit a home run. That's just the way August has been for them. They're going to have to find a way to try to, like, you know, get on the board first, hold the lead, and um, try to push some runs, try to manufacture some runs. I know that's not the trend right now. That's not baseball. But they have to find a spark. And swinging for the fences just isn't doing it right now.
0: Well, the problem um, with that, you know, Jose, the problem with that, though, is like when you're talking about swinging for the fences, it always rears its ugly head come October, does it not?
1: does all the time. If it's all feast of famine, more times than not, you're going to you're gonna die of starvation. It's just what it is. I don't know what these guys got to do, but they have to find. I mean, look, you hit a single, even if you get caught at second, at least try. You got to do something. Dig. You, you, you got to run one out. Maybe you'll get lucky in and you run out of ground ball, but you got to figure something out. You just can't sit there trying to find a pitch and hit one out the park. It, it just That's just not baseball. It's just too hard to dig yourself out of a hole. They got to find a way. And, and, and you know, they got some big bats there, but they're going to have to figure out a way to do something outside of the ordinary and find something that they can build off of because just sitting there, you know, what did you say? They, they left 10 guys on base yesterday? That's right. That, you know, that, that just tells you right there, you're just looking for that magic swing. That's just not the way you're going to get yourself out of this. So you got to figure out a way to manufacture some runs. They got a single. Um, you know turn a single into a double he gets just find a spark get some get some kind of good positive energy going but um, the body language wasn't good yesterday and the minute that kid hit that home run over the, over that um, over over uh, over the wall I said man they're done here we go again
0: And look so, and, and um, Jose man. let's let's face facts and, and thanks for the call my friend you have a great weekend. Um, Toronto's got talent. You know, Toronto might be. You know, there's a few candidates out there in Major League Baseball. Um, I think the White Sox are one. Toronto is certainly another. Who else? Um, I think those are one, too, as a matter of fact, if, if we're being honest. The White Sox and the Blue Jays. They're probably two of the most head-scratching teams slash disappointing teams in baseball this year, based on what the expectations were at the beginning of the year. And I know you look at a Toronto team, and they're nine games over 500, Like, they'd be in the playoffs right now as a wild card. But I thought they were, like, division championship good. You know, they've got a ton of talent on that team. You know, they really... The lineup, top to bottom. Now, they're very right-handed. We know that. But on the flip side... They already got a manager fired because they were not playing up into their capabilities this year. But they are lethal, and they could strike at a moment's notice, and that is a dangerous team to want to go toe-to-toe with, even if you're the Yankees in terms of matching runs. Now, the deadline. Said I wanted to talk about that and really start to critique the performance of the manager. Before we get into the moves necessarily when it comes to the pitching, about this funk that they're in right now, 12 out of 15, 9 and 18 since the All-Star break, 24 and 30 the last two months. Manager was asked if this skid is any sort of a concern about maybe their lead in the division, which is now down to single
2: digits at nine games. I don't know about worry. Like I worry about everything. <laughs> I apologize for you being so, more specific. Worried about the lead in the division because you had such a big lead. No, it's, it's this is about us playing well. If we play well that takes care of itself um, you know obviously we haven't played well enough in the last 10 days um, so I think it's more just a rough patch of us not playing well we have to play better uh, but I don't sit there and you know think about this lead or it's about us handling our business if we do that and play the game we're capable of playing the rest of the way we'll be in good shape but we got to do that
0: Here's the thing I don't like about the Yankees from a message standpoint. It seems like they're kind of indirectly hinting at the fact that the injuries are what's costing them. And I told you, I I, I could be out on an island. I could be in the minority on this one. There is enough there to still be productive and score runs and to get this offense going. I know you miss Matt Carpenter, but remember, Matt Carpenter – was a 40-year-old godsend that you picked up off the scrap heap who essentially was only up here basically to mine the store and to keep the seat warm for a couple of weeks. That was it. And the expectations were as low as low could possibly be. And they thought, you know what, the Yankees said, it's only costing us a million dollars. We'll see if we could get anything at all from this guy. And it turned out he was one of your better hitters. But that's almost not fair. You can't put all that faith in a guy who ultimately went down, and it's unfortunate for him. He's a good guy, and he was having a nice little career resurgence. But Stanton's on the shelf. Okay, Stanton's coming back soon. Stanton's going to begin a rehab assignment this weekend. But really, you mean to tell me that the Yankees don't have – DJ LeMahieu is back in this lineup right now. And you know what? I know the toe is a little messed up and so on and so forth, but guess what, guys? It's late August. Nobody feels 100%. If he can't play, then he should be on the injured list. If he's injured, he should sit. Aaron Judge, is the guy going to win the MVP this year? Anthony Rizzo, how many home runs he hit this year? You mean he hasn't been productive? Josh Donaldson, seemed okay to me a couple of nights ago, hitting a grand slam. The guy's only a former MVP. Benintendi's had himself a real good year. If, he, if Benintendi wasn't having a good year, guess what would have happened? Yankees wouldn't have traded for him. Gleyber Torres somewhere, somehow in the past, you know what? He's actually, or was a productive player. Thought he was going to be a future star. They've got enough in this lineup to play the woe is me game because Matt Carpenter and Giancarlo Stanton aren't a part of it. There are a lot of teams in ba- Go look at the Cleveland guardians lineup. Seriously. Look at the Cleveland guardians lineup. They're the youngest team in baseball and they're not struggling to score runs. They're finding ways to win games. And you mean to tell me that the Yankees, with those names that I rattled off, we should sit here and throw a pity party for them just because a few guys are hurt? No thanks. No thanks. 800 3776 that's the telephone number. We come back, I promise. We're going to get into the deadline. And where the general manager swung and missed a few times, at least until now, is there any hope of salvaging it? Dan Gross' show on a Friday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Yanks Jays scoreless in the second. Mets with a 1-0 lead on the Phils also in the second. All right, let's get into the trade deadline here with the Yankees. Andrew Benatendi, he do anything for him so far? No. You look at Scott Efros, who they got from the Cubs. Yeah, he's a nice little pitcher. I've already had him on one of my shows. Good guy. But as we said the other night, you know, Scott us was not brought in here to close. Like he had to do, what is it, last Saturday at Fenway Park, right? He's here to be a setup guy. That is way too much to put on his shoulders. More than he bargained for. But let's see how that one evolves. That could be at least a quality acquisition. I still hold out hope for that one. But the trade with Oakland, which brought Lou Trevino over to, of course, be... Remember member of that bullpen, along with Frankie Montas, who was supposed to be the big fish. Frankie Montas was a guy that the Yankees acquired because they wanted him to be an anchor of the rotation. And with Luis Severino gone until at least, what, the middle of September, Montas is going to be a guy that should step in and be like your number two, maybe your number three, like right along there with Nestor, nasty Nestor. But the way Frankie Montas has looked right now in his first three starts, he don't even deserve to (laughs) be a five. You know, you might as well tap into the minor leagues. You might as well have a bullpen game and skip his next start the way things are going. They're not going to do that, but. I mean, and last night was inexcusable. Add up all three performances so far, they've been inexcusable. 14 innings, 14 runs. That is not what you are going out and trading for. Some home debut. So Aaron Boone was asked after the game last night if he thinks that pitching in Yankee Stadium for the first time maybe affected Frankie a little bit.
2: I mean, he hasn't struck me that way at all since since he's gotten here. Um, You know, even even going into St. Louis, he didn't seem, um, you know, as as tough as tough and weird a situation that was coming in the night before and pitching the day game. You know, I. To me, I haven't seen any of those, you know, jitters or wanting to. It doesn't seem that way to me. Um, You know, but, you know, we got to go start getting results, obviously. All right.
0: Is that true? Like, do you believe what Aaron Boone is saying right there? That this is just a hiccup? That he's not going to be overwhelmed by the New York stage? Not even just pitching in, in Yankee Stadium, but just being a Yankee. Remember, he was pitching for the Oakland Athletics. Five people go to Oakland Athletics games. Like, the players' families don't even go to the games. That's how bad they are. And they play in a dump out there at the Oakland Coliseum. The manager has, like, sewage in his office. It's disgusting. It's not a major league facility. So pitching in front of 2,000 people each day with zero expectations is a far cry from pitching in Yankee Stadium or just pitching as a member of the New York Yankees in the world's greatest traveling show with games that have an enormous amount of weight to them. How do you know he's cut out for it? Because you know what? There's been plenty of history and plenty of precedent of guys who also have cowered to wearing this uniform. Is Frankie Montas going to be another Sonny Gray? And, oh, by the way, what's the irony of Sonny Gray? Another guy they got from the Oakland Athletics once upon a time. No expectations. No pressure. Javi Vasquez. We could go on and on and on down the list. I mean, the jury is still out. I'm not going to write him off just yet. But here's what makes it worse. Well, two things. The first absolutely hands down no way you can dispute it they brought in a starting pitcher they gave up a starting pitcher in another trade which right now looks to be the worst of all look at what Jordan Montgomery is doing with the St. Louis Cardinals now look I'll be the first to admit you want to call it piling on you can call it whatever the hell you want bottom line is I didn't expect this from Jordan Montgomery. The Yankees sure as hell didn't expect this from Jordan Montgomery. I don't even know if Jordan Montgomery expected it from Jordan Montgomery. But the Cardinals are the ones who are reaping the rewards, and I guarantee you they didn't expect it either. But, I mean, the numbers that he's put up so far in three starts, I mean, a 0-5-4 ERA, one earned run allowed in three starts, I mean, that's like DeGrom, And this is a guy in Jordan Montgomery who the Yankees deemed was not good enough and not worthy enough to eventually even merit getting a postseason start once they get to October. Think about that. The guy wouldn't even have cracked our rotation, said the Yankees. We felt it was going to be more important to get a valuable defensive glove in center field in Harrison Bader than even starting Jordan Montgomery. The outs that Harrison Bader would have saved us in center field would be more valuable outs than Jordan Montgomery would have even gotten us on the mound once the playoffs arrive. And here's the second part. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Frankie Montas knows it. He was a consolation prize, right? He was an afterthought. He wasn't even supposed to be the big fish that the Yankees were going out to acquire in the pitching department. That was Luis Castillo. But Cashman wanted to protect his prospects. No Peraza. No Anthony Volpe. I'll tell you, Anthony Volpe, not to say that I'm sick and tired of hearing about him, but I'm a little sick and tired of hearing about him. Anthony Volpe better be the second coming of Derek Jeter, the way they talk about this guy and the way that they are so reluctant to include him in any trade. I'm not sitting here telling you that Luis Castillo is the best pitcher in baseball or even in the top ten. But Luis Castillo was the best pitcher available at the trade deadline on the market. Do you see what he's done so far for the Seattle Mariners? Do you see what he's done so far the few times he's pitched against the Yankees this year? Twice with Seattle, once with Cincinnati. You mean to tell me you wouldn't rather have that guy as opposed to Frankie Montas? And oh, by the way, you would have kept Castillo away from the Seattle Mariners. A team that is in your league a team that you could very easily see in October, and a team that you are in competition with, for better or for worse, to get to a World Series. I'm so beyond hoarding prospects. I'm done with it. Because what is the percentage of guys in minor league systems who are highly coveted, highly ranked, that ever pan out to what the expectations are for them when they enter professional baseball? How many of them? Like, when was the last Yankee prospect, ballyhooed prospect that ever turned into a legit all-star savior? You know what I mean? Not very often. Not very often. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So, yeah, if you're going to give Brian Cashman a a grade at the trade deadline right now, you want to be really kind, really generous. Say incomplete, like you used to get when you were in school. You know, maybe if you like missed a week of school because you were sick. You know, you had polio or you know scarlet fever or something like that. and You were out, whooping cough, and then he got into school and eh, he missed too much time. Well, I'll give him an incomplete. We're not going to fail him yet. Just you know, he still has more work to get done. Clock is ticking. Can you imagine what the conversation is going to be like if this, te- if this team's lead in the division is down to, like, five games? Kamani in Brooklyn. He's up next. Dan Gross' show, 98.70 ESPN. Kamani, how you doing? What's up, Dan? How you doing? Kamani, man? what's
3: going on? Hey, I just want to say congratulations on the new show. Love the show. You know? Thank you,
0: brother. Appreciate it.
3: Well, my question is – um. What do you think the, um Brian Cashman could have did at the tra- um, trade deadline? Like, get more pitching or to help this um lineup improve? Like, right now, like, the only person who's doing um is Aaron Judge. And I believe
0: um he's going to be MVP at the end of the season. What do you think? What do you think, Dan? Well, Aaron Judge is going to be an MVP. I-, I mean, we know that. But I just said to Kamani, thanks for the phone call. You know what you do? You know what could have been done? Give... Cincinnati what they wanted and bring in Luis Castillo I don't think you could look at this thing as a long-range forecast you're the New York Yankees start operating like the New York Yankees you know this isn't the Pittsburgh Pirates this isn't the Milwaukee the Milwaukee Brewers did something stupid at the deadline they traded away one of the best closers in baseball and subtracted from their team to give a better chance to the San Diego Padres to get to a World Series and sent shockwaves through that clubhouse. Because Milwaukee is not a major market team. They have to operate with somewhat of a controlled payroll, and they knew that they would have to pay Hader in a couple of years, and they wouldn't be able to afford it. So they have to trade away from That's not the Yankees. The Yankees are not the Milwaukee Brewers, people. Give up what you need to give up. Go for it now. Strike while the iron's hot. You mean to tell me that the Yankees – don't have one of the best three or four teams in Major League Baseball and positioning themselves to go get a world championship? Of course they do. And instead, you're punting on the rest of this season, essentially, because you don't want to give up the guy who might or might not be one of your best players, let's say, in two, three years. Eight hundred 919 37 7, 6. More of your phone calls, plus we'll get into a little bit on the New York Metropolitans as well. Remember, Connor Hughes is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour to we'll talk a little New York football with Game 2 of the preseason happening over the next couple of days. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hope to see everybody, by the way, another public service announcement. Hope to see everybody out at the uh, Mark Sasso charity softball game. In Hawthorne, New Jersey, the Don puts together each and every year. That'll be tomorrow, coming up at 5 o'clock. Uh, so, a lot of folks going to be part of that game. I'll be there. Don will be there. Peter. Oh, Peter's playing. You know, we, we, we guilted him into getting out there on the field and competing. He's bringing his fiance. She's going to play. So, uh, among others, Greg Buttle, Marty Lyons, cast of thousands so uh, show up, lend your support. It's always a good time there. So 5 o'clock. And the weather's supposed to hold up, which, you know, you can't ask for anything more, can you, when you talk about uh, that type of thing. As far as the uh, Mets are concerned, they got a one nothing lead here, second inning in Philadelphia with Chris Bassett on the mound tonight. Um, look, it stinks that they lost three out of four to the Phils, right? It, it, it really and truly does. But you try to take a level-headed approach to it, Yes, that lead is dwindling ever so slightly, down to three and a half, four in the loss column. You still got three against the Atlanta Braves the rest of the year. That's in September. So you know what the perfect world is? You know, and I was talking about this the other night when the Mets and Braves were going at it. You want to distance yourself from them enough to where that series against the Braves doesn't even matter. You already have the division wrapped up when you do play them again down in Atlanta later in the year. Like, that's the ideal scenario. And then you just rest up, and then who cares? But, like, the Mets also have this star-crossed history to where you can never really enjoy and bank on prosperity, can you? That you're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. Right? Like, even earlier in the season, when they were rolling in the National League East, they had a double-digit lead, and then all of a sudden, boom, here comes a little bit of a dip, and here come the Braves, and the Braves since June the 1st. I mean, you could go look the record up. I mean, the Braves since June 1st, they, they, they were in Arizona, and they had a team meeting because they were playing, you know, like so-so baseball. Since that team meeting, <laughs> they've, like, taken off, and they look like the defending world champions are supposed to look. But the Mets have still kept that top spot in the division. And people are expecting, oh, you know, last year, last year they blew But it's still a different team. You know, deep down, even in my core, even after what I saw the last four days, I still believe that the Mets are going to be okay. Even though you don't like to make excuses, I mean, what happened in the first two games of the series? They lost their starting pitchers after two winnings due to injury. More often than not, that's going to be tough to recover from. Now, could they have scored some more runs offensively? Yeah, they only scored, what, like one run in the first two games. But I just think that this is different. Having the manager is a huge part of this. I I mean, I don't know how many times we've said it. To me, Buck Showalter is more important than any guy that's in uniform on this club. Even more important than Max Scherzer. Having him as that steadying, guiding hand night in and night out, that is supposed to compensate for these little bumps that they encounter along the way. So yeah, I think the Mets will be fine. Now, they better go out there and not sleepwalk through this series against Philadelphia because it's four big games. And, you know, you could just as easily maybe find your find yourself in second place when it's all said and done. Atlanta, by the way, they're taking on the Houston Astros this weekend. Little World Series match uh, rematch from last year in Atlanta. So the Met fans are going to be rooting for the Houston Astros. Yankee fans are going to be rooting for the Atlanta Braves because the Yanks, of course, are chasing the Strohs for the top spot in the American League, home field advantage, all those things. 800 is telephone number. Eli in Washingtonville. Good to hear from him. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Eli, what's going on? Hey, Dan,
3: listen. I want everybody that has supported Brian Cashman that called me crazy in this station or this network to e crawling and apologize right now. Because all I'm hearing every time I turn on the station is you guys complaining about the trades, you guys complaining about the team, and who's the one that orchestrates the team? General manager. Right. Exactly. So why don't you guys just admit it and say that this guy's a terrible GM? Just admit it. Because I don't understand That's fine, he gets us a, that's strong. fine. He gets us. He gets us a winning season. Uh according to analytics. Based on analytic analytics. A team built for one sixty one one sixty, right? hmm That's all. But he can never do the trade or put a team together that wins a, that is anything of value in the postseason. season, if you notice it. Like this this I'm telling you, the the picks dust has, has has settled and we haven't even gotten to the playoffs,
0: and we're already falling apart. Look, this Eli, I'll say this. I, that, Eli, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. And I know that, look, mm-hmm. you'll jump right on top of this because you're not exactly a big Cashman fan. I know that. Has he done a good job overall this year? This year? No. Why not?
3: Because I think, I think in the beginning of the season, in the off season,
2: mm-hmm.
3: he did nothing. And his excuse was, Oh, I'm saving my money for
0: Judge. And do we have Judge under contract? No, well, we not don't. yet. They made him an oh. offer. He didn't sign it. All right, all right. But
3: we—that—that that was his excuse. Now, I'm tired of. And then everybody, oh, he got rid of Gallo. Like we're supposed to give him a trophy for it. He's erasing his mistakes. <laughs> like it's like somebody giving him a test. He gets the wrong answer. I'm like no, no, no. You know what?
0: Here's the test back. Change it from um, A to L. Uh, B, C, or D. Well, let, let, let so me, let me make... ask you this. Eli, oh. let me ask you this, all right? I disagree with you that he hasn't done a good job this year. I mean, they're 73 and whatever. They're in first place. Until, until proven otherwise, for the year, he still gets a passing grade. Now, I'll ask you this. Has he done a good job since the trading deadline? That's a completely different conversation altogether. Right. Right? Now, listen, last year in the trading deadline,
3: fine, you brought in uh, Rizzo, which is – I'm not excited about Rizzo, but he fills the, the, the spot. You know, he's a, he's, not a, he's a fading star. Now, all I'm saying is that Brian Cashman is a person that, when, like you said to yourself, he overvalues his prospects. He never wanted to take the, the, big, uh, the big swing. It's just the big swing was to get Castillo here and get uh, Soto here or get somebody of value. That knows how to produce in the postseason, not ifs. And that's why I don't get why everybody defends this guy. Where he's, they they say that this guy's such a great GM. The only thing that I give him um, credit for is that he suckers other teams into believing that the Yankee prospects are
0: something. Well, here's the thing, and Eli, thanks for the phone call. <laughs> here's the thing about that, though. I don't know how that sucker in teams because if you keep holding on to them and you keep hoarding them like a squirrel is going to do that to his little acorns there, what good is it going to do you? Like I said, Yankees have a real good team. Yankees could win a championship this year. I would have given up whatever Cincinnati wanted to bring in Castillo because that would have given me a better chance, especially considering Severino's health and not being a guy that I can count on a 1,000% come playoff time.